everyone and thank you for tuning in. My name is Amon and I'm a committee member of the Scottish Young Lawyers Association. This podcast is the second podcast in our dissertation writing series and it is all about writing a public law dissertation and I am so pleased to be joined by Professor Alison Brisson who has kindly agreed to record this with me. Alison is a professor of healthcare and medical law at Glasgow Caledonian University. She specialises in public healthcare, clinical negligence, mental health law and professional ethics. She has also chaired two Scottish government reviews and is the chair of both the Scottish Infected Blood Appeal Board for the NHS and the Lay Advisory Board for the Royal College of Physicians and Surgeons. Given Alison's extensive experience in public law, I feel very lucky to have her here with me today to record this episode for our members. So Alison, hello. Hello, how lovely to see you and thank you very much for inviting me. Of course, absolutely. So I'm just going to fire straight into this. As you know, public law is such a broad subject. So do you have any advice for those who want to do a public law dissertation, but they may be struggling to hone in on exactly what they want to write about? Yep, absolutely. I think it is such a it's a, such a broad subject. That's what makes it so interesting. Um, I always advise students stick to what you enjoy. Pick something that you like. You're going to be stuck with this as your dissertation topic for a while. So rather than impressing somebody else or picking something that you think somebody else thinks you should be doing, go with what interests you. That's what makes for a good writer, something that stimulates your interest, a topic you've maybe seen in a newspaper, something that you've been discussing, maybe even in one of your lectures somewhere. But definitely pick something that resonates with you and that you think that is something that I would like to know a little bit more about. And that's always a good start. Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. And just in terms of picking that topic and making sure it interests you, how important is it to ensure that a public law dissertation is also current and contemporary? I think it's very important. I think that's the whole nature. That's Again, that's the whole fun of public law, that it's something that is probably happening in some way or another. Maybe a piece of legislation is up for consideration. Maybe there's new legislation. Maybe it's amendments. Things change and that's what makes the subject so interesting. Mm. So I think there has to be an element of it that it is contemporary. Why am I writing about this? Why have I chosen this? And why do others need to know about this today? And I always think when I'm writing, um, whilst I've just said it's got to be something that interests you, it also has to have currency. It has to have a value to Mm. something or someone else as well. So whilst it might be fantastic to be writing historically about a piece of legislation from the 1800s, if I were marking that work, one of the first things I'd want to know is why do I need to know about that today in 2023? Why is this important that we revisit this today? Um, And I think there could be lots of reasons for that, but the student has to have an idea why this is important at the time that they're writing it and I always think it's not only the fact it's got to be contemporary it should have some currency as well that even say you're writing about a change maybe something that's going through um, the Scottish government or something in terms of legislation and it's being amended and you're writing away about this and you have a limited amount of time to complete your dissertation it would be nice in a couple of years time to be able to look back and think gosh you know I made some recommendations about this. This is where I thought the kind of trajectory of these conversations were going. So it can't just kind of end 
in two months time. It should, I always say to students, have some value, some currency today and for at least a couple of years in the future as well. So that you're going to all that trouble to write, maybe even to publish after your dissertation, that it has to have some ongoing value um, too. So for today, but also for tomorrow as well. Yeah. Yeah, there's definitely value in that, but just as much as there is value, there are also risks. Mm -hmm. So what should a student do if they're writing about a subject that is very current, mm -hmm. but part of the way through their dissertation writing process, things change in the law, thus yep. having an impact on their original argument? Yep. And I think students worry about that. I think it's a really good question. Students worry about that a lot, particularly when you are picking something that might be going through the parliament at that time, government or international, whatever it happens to be. And I think the quick answer to that, and I will give a bit more, I think the quick answer to that is it never usually changes at all as fundamentally as, as students or others might be frightened it will, mm. because a, <clears throat> a dissertation is made up of a background, a context, um, <clears throat> excuse me, um, and that is unlikely to change. The background, the historical context, the value, the justification of why the student, <clears throat> excuse me, is writing at that time about that subject, that is unlikely to change. Um, and then you might have, you know, another couple of chapters, maybe talking about some other element, maybe background to cases, other legislation, that's not going to change either. So when you actually boil it down, what does change is maybe a section, there's a nuance in a section that wasn't there before, um, or maybe it's been voted a different way, um, but it is not always the big catastrophe mm -hmm. or the big change that, sh that students expect. And I think secondly to that, that if the students are doing their homework as they should be, they should be on social media. They should be looking at the parliamentary websites. Um, if there's government committees looking at this or parliamentary committees, um, you'd start to have a look and think, okay, this was being debated um, mm. on this particular day. What did they say? So I think the, the last point in that is really does a fundamental change come out of the blue? It tends to have been a lot more nuanced than that. There's been discussions around this. And if the student and indeed their supervisor is having a good look and just keeping an eye on that, you should be able to bring it into the work. And I think the final point is talk to your supervisor. Agree, you know, if you're sitting in March and things are still jumping around and you have a submission date for April, a couple of months beforehand, you really should be saying, I'm going to draw a line on this now. And in your conclusion, you could say, this is still being deliberated in Parliament. It may go this way, it may go that way. But the important thing is that as the student, you're aware and you're also saying, I know that this is happening. I don't have a definitive answer. I'm going to fail my dissertation if I don't get it in now. Um, but let's have a look in a couple of months time and see what's happened. Yeah. I mean, I have to say, I've never heard of a dissertation supervisor encouraging their students to use social media. I wish that my <laughs> dissertation supervisor had told me that. Um, although I didn't need any encouragement to be fair, I've probably spent too <laughs> I think anything that if you're dealing with something contemporary, whilst we always talk about um, your referencing should have a quality to it. Mm -hmm. Sometimes you do need a quick fix. 
if this is being debated in Parliament today, what did they say about that? Nobody's going to be writing a journal article on that, at least for a couple of months, and mm -hmm. um, certainly not to be published. So you might need a quick fix. You might need a commentator saying something. You might need a wee blog somewhere that's you know, brought this to your attention. And there's nothing wrong with using that mm -hmm. as long as you make it clear in your background, in your introduction, that this is a fast moving topic. We knew it was subject to change. And whilst we've got some really heavy hitters in terms of referencing and authors, we have relied um, more recently upon a sort of slightly lighter gray area um, mm. of referencing as well, because that's all that was available uh, to us um, at that time there. And I think that's fine. It shows a bit of creativity as well. Yeah, of course. <laughs> in the realm of sort of general aspects of public law dissertations, is there anything that you can advise students on in terms of general hints and tips to those mm. embarking on a public law dissertation? Yep. Be creative. You know, I think the world is your oyster. It is such a broad topic. You can bring in the substantive law, the black letter law there. You can bring in socio-demographic, socio-economic. You can bring in statute. You can bring in what has the common law done to influence. So that you think creatively. And, and I think quite often when, when students are looking at something, in fact, not only public law, probably any area, <clears throat> what should I be saying? And I always say to them, actually, you can say what you like, as long as you have an argument that starts in your first chapter. And there's a kind of golden thread, a spine that runs all the way through that piece of work. You can be creative as you like. And I think when it is a fast moving area and there's lots of elements that make up the joy that is public law, then be creative, be quite bold about there. And I think sometimes because it's a big piece of work, students think I have to show off every element of knowledge yeah. that I know about this subject. And that is absolutely not the thing to do. Um, focus, depth, less is more is, is usually always the way to go. And if you're frightened that somebody's going to be saying, oh, well, maybe, you know, Joe or Josephine isn't aware of this, yeah. you can deal with that in your opening chapters. You know, you can say, this dissertation is going to cover whatever this legislation. It will not cover blah, blah, blah. And you can dispose of these concerns in a couple of sentences, you know, exclusions, limitations, we would turn to, to call that. And most good writing would have that implicitly in its opening chapters. Um, but for a student maybe doing an undergraduate, LLB, whatever they happen to be doing, um, you can dispose of it in a couple of sentences and it makes you look very polished. This will not be covering this, but it will be covering that. So you're taking charge of it. And then that leaves you freer to be able to focus, have a little bit of depth and room for your own analysis as well. And I think in terms also of kind of hints and tips, use your contacts. If there are people, MSPs or other people writing about that, contact them. Tell them what you're doing if you have the time and you get your supervisor's permission. Um, maybe write them an email, see what they're going to say. Um, most universities would not require ethics clearance if you were writing to an MSP 
or an organisation representing interest. It's a different matter usually if it's a personal matter or you're approaching someone in a personal capacity. But if you were wanted to thinking, hmm, I wonder what this particular MSP's view is on this, or you've seen them speaking in Parliament about something, you say, okay, I can write to them and you, you would not certainly fall foul um, of most ethics processes and clearances. And even if they come back with a standard, thanks very much indeed, you can always say, as part of my methodology, I did this. Mm -hmm. And even if you don't get something and you hope you do, it's still shown a little bit of creativity that you're actually trying to bring something new to the body of knowledge that's out there. And that's what dissertation writing is all about as well there. So um, yeah. be creative. Um, with what you're doing that's definitely a big hint and tip there <laughs> yeah I think there's definitely something in that I mean when I reflect on my writing process nothing I did was a waste of time there was no, no. piece of research I did there was no one that I reached out to that was a waste of time so even if you no. feel like you don't really get anywhere with it it was still worth it you know yes. it's still you're able to yeah and and I think a lot of students because they feel quite intimidated this is a huge piece of work um I think they're wanting everything kind of signed sealed and delivered yeah. before they start because they're 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 concerned they want to do a good job and I don't think it's possible to do that I think you have to be flexible and I've, I've always said to students I agree with you none of this is a waste you mm. might not use it in chapter one but you might use it further down and even if you don't use it at all it's still enhanced your understanding and it's made you want to go and choose something else. Mm. And I think, um, I don't think I've ever known a student in gosh, 30 years of doing this that has ever written too little. That just rarely happens, you know. They maybe make the word count, but most students are struggling with having written too much. Mm -hmm. And then you have this exercise do we put it into the footnotes? Has it got some a place that should be there? Should it go all together? Should we move it into another chapter? Um, but it's all part of the learning process. And I think if students realise that actually you have to be really quite flexible about this, yeah. um, I think that's actually something really to be aware of at the beginning. You just can't have it set in stone and not be expecting it to change, particularly with a subject like public law that is really subject to ebb and flow. As you say, you know, we've talked already, <clears throat> things can change. Mm. Yeah, just wanted to pick up on something you said there about footnotes. Um, <coughs> ask if there's anything that students shouldn't be afraid of doing when it comes to research. But I distinctly remember when I was doing my dissertation, you gave us advice and you said, use your footnotes. And that mm. was one piece of advice that always stuck with me. And I'm glad you gave that advice. But is there yep. anything else that students might not realise that they can do when they're mm -hmm. in the writing process or the researching process. Yeah, it's 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 interesting. I think footnotes is certainly a big one because um, what students tend to do is use them quite cautiously at the beginning. So maybe it's to cite a piece of legislation, put in a citation for a case. Um, and I always encourage students to go and have a look at something like the juridical review in Scotland. And, and you will see that quite often, you know, you'll maybe get a quarter of the page actually has the main body of the text. And underneath in the footnotes, yes, you might have citations, but you might have explanatory comments or references to another another author. And they can be very informative if used well. And I think sometimes for students who are going, oh, I can't can't lose this piece of work. You can, you can certainly put them into that as well. And in terms of other things, I think students 
should be free to be able to express their own opinions. I think the way we teach law across all the universities, we are bound by the Law Society of Scotland, the way we teach our LLBs, and a lot of it is cramming in knowledge um, which students feel that they can regurgitate and a good memory certainly is, is a very useful tool. But I think with the dissertation, a little bit of yourself is important too. The analysis is important. What do you think about this? And I often say to students, it's very difficult to be wrong if you say, you know, it is believed or it is suggested that. Somebody might not agree with your suggestion, but if you've backed up what you're going to say, you've got your references there, then that's the way your mind's thinking at that time. And it's very often in an undergraduate degree, it's the last really big piece of work you do. And I will say to students, you know, you might not feel it at the moment, but you want to enjoy this. You know, you might never actually undertake, depends what they do afterwards, undertake a, a big piece of academic writing again. Mm -hmm. So enjoy it. Make sure you read that. And there's a bit of yourself in that too. And yeah. I think that's very important. Yeah. yeah, absolutely. So when it comes to, this is more of a general question, but just when it comes to writing a dissertation, um, I know that for myself and many of my peers, it was our first time writing such a big piece. Mm -hmm. And with that came a lot of discipline. So is there any advice you can give to students on working patterns when it comes absolutely. to writing conversations? I think absolutely. Um, I think I'm one of the biggest procrastinators in the world. When I've got to write something, I clean the kitchen. The dog runs away because I've walked the dog so many times. Um, anything that I can actually do. A blank page is worrying. Uh, you know, mm. it might be going on in your mind and you're thinking it through. But the biggest thing, I think, first of all, is get something down. Even yeah. if you look at it and go back the next day and you think, oh, God, you know, did I really write that? At least you've got something there to edit. Mm. Whereas beforehand, it was a blank page. So um, know when you're procrastinating. You know, you've gone online to research something and all of a sudden you've you've booked a holiday to Tenerife or something. <laughs> That's fine, but at some point you have to think, okay, I am now procrastinating. Um, I, you know, there is no such thing as the unicorn article. I always talk about unicorn articles, and students think this is this one article that they've got to get before they can start writing, and it just doesn't exist. Um, <clears throat> if you're only relying on one article to make it all work, then you're not doing the dissertation properly, you know. Um, and I think more practically, um, some students will be working either full time, maybe they're actually already working in a law firm, maybe they've got caring responsibilities, um, they might have to do the school run or whatever. So practically managing your time as well is, is very, very important to think, actually, there's no point stressing myself out trying to do this before I do whatever it is I need to do at eight o'clock in the morning. Mm -hmm. um, but if you have the luxury of time, um, dissertations are made up of different things. The writing is probably the most intense part. Mm. Um, so know that if you're at your brightest, first thing in the morning, last thing at night, you know, you're in, your work environment is quiet, then that's when you're going to write. Yeah. Um, maybe when you're feeling a little bit more distracted, other things are going on, maybe I'll have a wee look and research this a little bit more, check out a couple of links, because it doesn't take the intellectual time that actually sitting down writing does. 
So knowing when you're fresh, knowing when you can do that, and there's so many other elements, um, editing, checking things out, um, checking your footnotes, your references, et cetera, et cetera. So know when you've actually got that focus, that creativity to think, I'm going to use that to write and I can mm. use other parts of my time to check it out and check out other things afterwards as well. So being honest with yourself in how you work and knowing how you work, I think is really important as well. Yeah, yeah of course. I think also just appreciating that that might take a bit of time. Yes. It's not going to be something you figure out straight away, but <laughs> once you do figure it out, just stick to that. I think that's right. And I, and I think like most of these things, um, the students go on to do master's degrees, doctorates, um, all, all academic institutions build in that element of, of self-reflection. We encourage students to keep um, diaries of, oh, that was a good idea, I'll do that. How did I feel about doing that? And we try and build in that idea of self-reflection and we spend a lot of time on it. But at an undergraduate level, um, not always do we have the time um, yeah. in terms, you know, it's, it's a smaller word count, et cetera. And unless students are trained maybe to think in that way, uh, but it's a really good exercise. When do I best work? Am I better at weekends, better during the week, early mornings, last thing at night? Um, and I think you're being a bit more true to yourself. And yeah. sometimes you just have to sit down, nail your legs to the seat and think, OK, yeah. I'm not moving for two hours, no matter how rubbish I think this is looking. Yeah. I am going to have a thousand words, 1500 words, 20 words mm -hmm. and I'm not moving until I've got them and some people find that's quite productive as well because they mount up and then they've got something on the page too yeah absolutely mm -hmm. well, Alison thank you so much for joining me and recording this with me you've given us some really valuable advice and I'm sure those listening will take a lot from it so thank you for taking the time thank you thanks so much for asking me